Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life, Construct My Life, Construct Your Life. So I have the honor of, in true Austin Lenny fashion, uh, we are bringing Mr. Chris Rodman all the way from Costa Rica. How are you doing, sir? Uh, Muddy fine. Muddy, muddy fine. Yeah, good to be in Costa Rica and just closing up our time here, but uh, I'm fantastic. Yeah, thanks. How you doing? Doing great, guys. If you hear the birds in the background, I didn't bring, I didn't put those in afterwards in editing. Those are true birds. That it's called nature. It's this crazy thing that's out there uh, when you seek uh, enlightenment and enjoyment, and it's actually the true medicine. Uh, but I already got them warmed up for that. But guys, you know, funny enough, I had the uh, everybody knows I was in Costa Rica recently, and we wound up running into Chris at. Uh, uh, a restaurant randomly. Uh, and we got to talking and, and I loved his story. And so we, we, we decided that we were going to continue this conversation on the podcast. We were going to discuss, um, life and, and kind of the journey of such, but, but how I want to start it out is kind of you telling your story, um, where, where you want to, and and kind of going there. Sounds good. I dig it. Give that. Okay. Oh my story. My story. My story. Yeah, is much like your story and all of our stories in some sense. <laughs> um, but um with its own unique flavor. Um well, I was born in Vancouver. Uh British Columbia. Uh, my folks moved to the Kootenays, a small town in the southeastern interior uh, when I was 12. And um, the rest of my years there, I have deep roots in the Coots. It's a paradise in its own right. And I'm looking forward to going back there. Um, yeah, deep, deep nature immersion, beautiful freshwater lakes and glaciers and alpine and wildlife and uh, yeah, certainly it appears as though the nature is all out there, but it's also a reflection of, you know, our true nature, which we can uh, find inside as well. Uh, it might be the only way. And uh, let's see, when I uh, finished high school in 2002, six right now, and... Um, uh, I, I actually wanted to come to Costa Rica. I started this semester of college, um, did first year sciences, which was great. It was a bit of a grind and I didn't really know what it was leading towards. And I picked up this guy hitchhiking on the way home and uh, we had just got back from Costa Rica and it sounded amazing. Felt very clearly like that's what I wanted to do. Um, it's a whole story. It didn't quite pan out in that moment, but um, here we are. Um, many years later, and I've made it down, and it's been a beautiful thing. Um, 
I was raised Catholic and um, there was a point in time, you know, after high school and in my university years where I had a lot of judgment and resentment about that. And um, through the, the path that I've been walking, I've kind of come full circle, you know, um, dogma is dogma, but there are, uh, there's a beautiful essence to, to Christianity and um, um, I've come to sort of respect and appreciate the, the elements that are there that point towards the, um, the truth and uh, the process of awakening and coming into who we are. Uh, I ended up studying kinesiology at university. Um, I figured if I was going to, you know, learn about anything, I was doing a little bit of like you know, pressure to dive into the ivory towers of the academic world. And uh, I felt like, yeah, knowing the human body and optimizing the potential of it and understanding it would be a, a wise move. And um, while I was doing that, you know, I continued some extracurricular studies. Uh, when I was in high school, I read Jurassic Park, Michael Creighton, Lost World. And those books turned me on to chaos theory and uh, nonlinear dynamics and fractal geometry and sensitivity to initial conditions. Uh, you know, the idea that if a butterfly flaps its wings in Costa Rica, it's going to cause a storm in New York or something like that. Um, just how interwoven everything is. Um, that really sat well with me and, um, as I was you know, forging my own sort of set of values and relationships to life outside of the, the container I was raised in. Um, that, was, that was really impactful. And I loved dinosaurs. Um, and uh, yeah, I got into the internet, was really blossoming, was studying, you know, the furthest fringes of science, quantum mechanics and that kind of thing. And it was all sort of pointing to like this underlying unifying essence and entanglement and all those things which and all of that ended up wrapping around back into the power of the mind and I eventually found myself sitting at the Vipassana course which was a real game changer for me um, for, for 10 day silent meditation retreats and Vipassana is a Pali word which is the language Buddha spoke and the, the essence of it is you know to observe reality or nature as it is within the framework of the body and um moment to moment. As you do that, um, you kind of learn through your own direct experience. So you're not accepting the truth of somebody's ideology outside of yourself. This is through your own direct experience in the process of meditation, you learn about the causes of suffering, which are just profoundly simple. Um, one is ignorance. Two is craving, you know, wanting that which is not and um, aversion, pushing away that which is, doing that reactively. And because it's a reactive thing that arises from our human condition, um, causes suffering for ourselves and others. And so as you get to witness the way that that is held and exists in our bodies, to cultivate this kind of concentration of awareness and presence and, and through witnessing it, um, it kind of dissolves and you become more attuned and harmonious with the nature of what is um, as it is within you know the framework of your body our, our human form is uh, subject to the laws of nature as much as as much as any other kind of form that arises in the field of nature and uh, um, so I was tuning into that kind of a consciousness that kind of a practice and it was really um, yeah very instrumental very pivotal moment in my life and I've sat uh, 
quite a few of those courses now. And I did so as I went through my university years. And um, also while I was studying, I fought forest fires as a wildfire fighter um, and got into crew leading um, at a contract company. And uh, yeah, I really thrived in it. It was great. I loved the adventure. I loved the force of nature. I loved being in the mountains, um, the excitement, the adrenaline, the, the elements of danger, um, and just being outdoors and uh, being physical was really uh, enlivening for me. And uh, yeah, I worked my way up into uh, managing fires. I've been uh, certified to instruct entry-level wildfire fighters. I got onto a chainsaw. I became a tree faller. Um, and uh, yeah, if I went any further down that road, I would have started a contract company. Um, but that wasn't in the cards for me. Uh, so I finished university in 2010. And uh, that was the same year that I uh, drank ayahuasca for the first time. And, um, and uh, that was a fairly, another one of those pivotal moments. And interestingly, it was foreshadowed by uh, a mentor of J.P. Sears, this man named John McMullen, um, who I met because I did a course, I did a series of courses with the Czech Institute. I studied with Paul Czech. Um, he has this uh, holistic health education uh, institute that we do exercise coaching and there's one on holistic lifestyle coaching and that was the one where I met J.P. Sears he was the instructor at that point in time for, for Paul Check, and um, we had a great connection he connected me to John McMullen anyways John McMullen foreshadowed this encounter with the medicine um, he said I am not 25 two years you're going to find love ah sure okay what's that mean you know, all kinds of things. I tried to you know, take it with a grain of salt. And that experience with the medicine in 2010, when I turned 25, was the, the closest thing to that. And it has um, yeah, facilitated an ever-deepening, continuously unfolding connection to the uh, loving essence of who I am and who we are and what this you know, miraculous existence that we're all participating in is, is about, which... Actually, there are no definitive answers to. Um, and uh, yeah, so after 2010, I continued uh, an ongoing relationship with the uh, plant teachers, um, went to South America. 2011, I had a really good fire season, which meant uh, in my mind at that time, there was a lot of fires. So that was a good fire season. Um, the lightning bolts were dollar signs in those days. Um, I got all kinds of views on, on the wildfire industry and the nature of forest fires generally, but, um, well, I guess I should just continue that thread. I'll say that, you know, we've done an incredible job at suppressing wildfires for probably the last century, um, to a fault. And, uh, you know, fires are a natural part of, of ecosystems and are necessary for various natural processes to unfold and to kind of accentuate the biodiversity and, and all of that kind of thing. And so we've been kind of stifling that. And as a result, there's a buildup of fuels in the forests and, and a bit of an interruption in that cycle. And it kind of leads to more volatile fires in the end. And that could be, you know, part of what we're seeing in the world today. Um, so uh, those fires, they have their place. And of course, you know, it's necessary for us to intervene at times, but uh, the 
our country is learning the balance between you know, how to manage those those things and, and uh, keep it harmonious with nature. I'm on a bit of a rant. I'm kind of just yeah. flying with the story now. How is this? I, I, was, I was letting you go. I, I want There's so many things there. I want to. I want to unpack, and I yeah. want to. I want to. I want to highlight. I. I guess one of the things I'm working on personally, and one of the things that's very interesting to me. I'd love to hear your take on it. There's such a masculine energy. There's such an aggressive energy to being a dude that that literally hops a chainsaw on the back of his back and, and hops in a hops in a full-on wildfire in the brush of Canada, right? Where there's no, you know, you're you're remote. It's it's a it's a it's a man versus fire kind of nature kind of thing. And then there's so much the opposite of what you are kind of most of the time too. It's an interesting dynamic to to kind of and I have a mentor of mine who says if you can balance both sides of that coin, that's the true ultimate view of a human, right? And and so talk about like, did you like, and I'm just using it from a context, maybe people can understand. Do you think that you were feeding, like no pun intended, the fire was feeding uh, a part of you that you, that made you feel alive the same way as you do when you're enjoying like a walk on the beach with your, with your, with your partner or your wife? Um, you know, there is a very clear purpose in in wildfire suppression, forest fire fighting, and um, to be connected to and knowing what your mission objective is and, you know, what you're accomplishing day to day and how to meet that. Um, And that it requires, you know, real attunement to the moment, you know, real like awareness of your surroundings, real being in communication with all of the elements around you. And, um, and working as a team, I uh, I think that really fed the sort of the masculine, purpose driven part of me really, really beautifully. Um, and uh, and yeah, absolutely, you nailed it. You know the um, the uh, the idealized human expression um, exists with a, a balance of sorts between the the masculine and feminine dynamic. And, um, you know, I don't believe there's such a thing as a perfect balance per se, you know, that the way that expresses through each of us, um, man or woman, whatever the balance of masculine and feminine might be within each is kind of, you know, finding the way that that, that life wants to play that through us and, and how to kind of, um, Surrender to what the, the natural order of that balance is in your being based on your constitution to some extent, based on, you know, where and when you were born, um, uh, you know, ancestry uh, is woven into our constitution, all kinds of things, our upbringing, and just the spirit of the moment, ultimately, you know, the, the balance of that masculine and feminine uh, expression is, is not fixed, it really increases real uh it's an evolving and unfolding dance (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. well what's interesting to me is i think especially as i dive into this more and you talk to more people uh like omar and sal and and buddies of mine there's such a delicate dance between entrepreneurship and creating commerce and then slash living your life right 
I think it's the number one thing creative art people struggle with is not being tied to the man, but also keeping their family supported. Right. And kind of your thoughts on that kind of delicate dance, which, which I, you know, what's funny. We, we were had lunch with a buddy of mine uh, in Miami on Friday and we looked at each other. We're both like own a couple businesses. He goes, at the same time, I want all the things. I don't want any of the things. <laughs> and I, I think it's, I think it's the true essence of who we are. I want all these things, a billion dollar company, but I don't know if I want the responsibility of what it's going to do to my life. Right. And I think that's the rub. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I guess for me, the trick is to really anchor into the truth of, you know, all that I have is all that I need. Um, <laughs> and really counting my blessings and being grateful for, for all of the beauty and the goodness that I'm able to have awareness of in my life. And, um, yeah, in relationship to that entrepreneurial element, you know, it's, it's, it's a struggle that I'm actually going through, you know, right now in some senses. I feel like I'm uh, kind of breaking out of the, the chrysalis in a bit of a process of metamorphosis and being, you know, um, reattuning to what my purpose is. And, and right now I feel very grateful to have a very strong degree of clarity about what I'm in service to through, um, through the work that I'm doing. So. You know, the wildfire stuff continued for about 10 years. I never, I made minimal use of my kinesiology degree. I did a few things here and there. I worked at a, a hiking sort of fitness boutique for a bit. And Anyways, neither here nor there. Um, what was really calling to my heart was truth. And uh, I started going to the jungle four years ago. I've done four of these intensive dietas where you eating basically rice and beans, boiled potatoes, and working with various plants from the jungle. And uh, I do this in the mestizo tradition. And, um, and uh, yeah, just catalyzing the, you know, the, uh, the process of awakening, you know, coming through the illusions and, and uh, getting connected to like, what is, you know, what, how does life want to live itself through me? And so I was down there at one point and um, just kind of been through a bit of a transformative process. I'm sitting in the river at this moment of like making a, a decision. And I said to myself, you know, I'm just going to do what I love. And I love this work. I love musicianship. Um, dances of universal peace element of Sufism that I'm connected to, um, coaching people, uh, there's so much capacity there, I can feel it and I love it. And if I just, I, that's what I want to do. And it was this decision point. And the moment that happened, this breeze started to blow up the river and the canopy started to rock. It was like the winds of change and this elemental affirmation of like, yes, you know, that life will carry you when we allow ourselves to do what we love. You, know, you don't have to do this and this and this until that kind of happens. Just like practice being in service to what you love. And, um, and so that after that point, it's been a major struggle because now I get home and I'm like, all right, how do I like market myself and do all these things? And um, I'm taking a crack at it. I'm doing my best. Um, 
and it's not flying and the bank account's draining and rent's coming up. And I'm like, oh man. And I, you know, was taking a hard stance at like not going back to Bushwork uh, out of this, this sense of, of devoting to something else. And as soon as things got tough and I could start to feel the crunch, I get a call from a buddy of mine way up north working want some work and he's calling me up to do this job it's called pine beetle fall and burn it's some of the most cowboy work i've ever done you go up in minus 30 weather middle of winter on skidoos with the gps and you find these trees that have been surveyed and probed and have pine beetles in them and it's piecework and you fall them and you fuck them and you burn them and uh, i was like oh my heart sank but it, like pragmatically that felt like the right thing to do and so i did and uh, you know i got all kinds of communicating my body started to cramp up on me and there were some messages telling me not to go. And I was like, nope, I got to do this. So I go up there. And, um, second day on the saw, I get some kickback and the thing comes back and hits me in the elbow. Boom, I get a bunch of stitches. I ignore it. I go back, get them stitched up. I go back to work that day. But I knew in my heart, I was like, oh, this is a sign. Like things aren't quite flowing up here. And then I was following this tree and from the canopy, a branch came down, slapped me over the wrist. Like I got slapped on the wrist. It's like, oh man, that hurt. Okay, pay attention, pay attention. What's this about? What's going on here? And then instead of this bruise on my wrist getting better, it gets worse, it turns into tendosynovitis. I can't work. I had to quit. I'm on my way home. I'm hitchhiking. I had to hitchhike out of there. And the guy that picks me up, he's only going half the distance I need to go. But as we're on the ride, I just naturally and organically started coaching him. I was getting all kinds of benefit and goodness and he's stoked he's like hey you know what man let's go all the way to Edmonton I'll take you right where you need to go blah 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 oh wow you know I went from you know something that I knew wasn't quite the right piece and I got kicked right out and um and then all of a sudden it was like there I was in service to what wants to happen and uh, and that journey is continuing to unfold and um yeah, I'm in the midst of, of getting launched with Rise and Shine and doing some mentorship and coaching, uh, psychedelic preparation and integration, depending on the country that you find me in, psychedelic um, assisted therapy. My partner, my beloved Lindsay and I do that together. And it's so beautiful to, to work together in that way, you know, facilitating the healing of trauma and, uh, and connection to the loving essence of that which we are and um, you know, guiding people to uh, empowerment and connection to themselves. And uh, so, yeah, the um, floodgates of prosperity and abundance are, are opening and um, staying true to the path and trusting the process. But uh, I think so much is it, of it is just giving thanks for all the things that have led to this moment and trusting the higher purpose to provide the next thing and being, you know, attuned enough to listen to that. Uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> Something like well, that. <laughs> well, what's interesting is there's so many things that come to mind there. And the first thing that came to mind when you told me that story about doing something that you loved is, is the word that just screamed in my head, permission. Mm-hmm. And, and I think too many times in life, we don't allow, whether that be, whether that be working out, taking time for yourself, meditating, morning, whatever that is, we don't even allow ourselves the permission to be happy, first of all. Second of all, understand that we need that for our life. So third of all, create the space necessary to go chase something that we truly love. 
right? Because we're predicated on, well, this is what I should do, or this is what they think I should do, or all these things. And the number one thing, regardless how rough the journey is, and I'm on my own journey away from the restaurant business, which is comfortable for me, as rough as it is, and as rocky as it gets, and as many valleys and peaks there are, I have one thing going for me. It's the same thing you have going for me. I first gave myself permission to truly seek something that I loved and through that creates impact out of others, which doesn't have a price tag on it. Beautiful. Love it. I hope. <laughs> and, 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 and so if that's the case, I'll take that over the ceiling that was smashing me in the head right? Because here's the scary thing. And I know this about you because I know you care about how you show up in this world. And I, so do I, dude, I don't even got to know to know you were a damn good bush fighter. And guess what? (laughs) Guess what? I was a damn good bartender and waiter, probably the best, one of the best in the country. And it's so, it's so easy to stay in that comfort zone because the lights are on, you know, where the doors are. And guess what? The new path that you and I are on is a long hallway with no doors and no lights. And it's super comfortable to go back to that relationship that doesn't serve you, that job that doesn't serve you anymore. And the number one thing we have to do is give ourselves permission to step into the new light. And I promise you through that action, opportunities will come up. And and here's the other problem. It states in the book of the alchemist. That the, 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 the law of favorability, when you get started in the new sector, a lot of good stuff comes to you and you're like, damn, this is easy. And then guess what? Then the desert happens. And that's when the universe is asking you how bad you want it. When that, when that, when that long middle ground, right? They, you know what I tell you about people? They root you in the beginning and praise you at the end. There's nobody around in the middle. Right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, I feel that. And I'm feeling grateful for, um, yeah, the permission that I've been giving myself to be who I am and all of the opportunities that I've opened up as a result of that. Meeting you is is a prime example of that. uh, Yeah, grateful for our connection and um, these opportunities to co-create and share and be in service and um, so so a lot a lot of people will think that this episode is controversial (laughs) (laughs) like like austin you're a real estate guy and you're talking about psychedelics like oh my god right but you're talking about what the other thing i don't talk about which is religion but what people don't know about me is I understand, I even st- I study, I read books on bu- Buddhism. Like my family was Baptist. My dad was Catholic. Like I, the whole deal, we've, we've covered the gamut. But what I'm okay with is I'm okay with exploring possibilities for everything, right? And, it, and, and, I, and I'll, give you a little, I'll give you a little backstory, everybody, just so you can get some context around this, this concept. If you don't understand that the U.S. government would much much rather have you pumped up on medication that they control than you got another thing coming. I have two buddies who are in large health scale health insurance that said more people are on two prescriptions than none, right? And what if you do any homework, it's on Netflix, you can go check it out. Before big uh, insurance came into play, people were using 
uh, mushrooms or marijuana or whatever you want to call it to heal people. And they decided that they couldn't control it. So they, 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 they came in and they, they stopped it all out. Um, you can, you can look on Netflix. It's all over Netflix where, where LSD was used back in the sixties to, to, you know, maybe they were abusing it just a touch back in the sixties, but that's, that's for a Grateful Dead concert. Um, so, you know, what would you say just from an outside looking in is the most misunderstood thing about, uh, let's say plant medicine ceremonies or just in general? Um, well, you doubled down on the controversy with the the pharmaceutical commentary. I love your courage. Um, And, uh, I love it. Um, uh, the biggest controversy in finance. Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of the old stigma that exists. You know, there was some pretty effective propaganda that went down in the 1960s and there was some, you know, okay. So Michael Pollan wrote an amazing book and if you haven't picked it up and this is you know this whole this, the psychedelic renaissance is happening right now it's um you know the processes are are underway to make these things available in a legal therapeutic context and they are immensely useful at transforming addiction trauma um you know, the healing capacity is, is immense they're, they're beautiful tools gifts medicines, sacraments, you, know, you could use the word drug if you like, you know, these are the words. Um, yeah, I think it's the fear, you know, the fear of the unknown. These open up doors into the depths of our being. And um, sometimes there's some hard stuff to look at in there and that can make people uncomfortable. Um, also the, you know, the, the liberation, uh, you know, from our from our beliefs, from the you know, from consensus reality, um, can appear, you know, threatening perhaps to the to the uh, the structures that are currently you know, in place. Um, it's yeah, there's 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 fear, and you know, yeah, the propaganda that happened in the 1960s was effective. And also, you know, the use of some of these tools was done somewhat recklessly, you know, and, and Michael Pollan, did I just mention Michael Pollan? Yeah. How to Change Your Mind. Yeah, check out his book. He covers a beautiful synthesis of the history better than I could off the top of my head in this moment around, you know, what happened at that time period. Um, you know, how these things were, people's experiences, the science and all of the research, like, large amounts of research. John Hopkins has just developed a department around psychedelic research exclusively. And MDMA is in phase three clinical trials for treating post-traumatic stress disorder very effectively. And uh, I think for the next two years, maybe less, maybe a little more, somewhere in there, we'll be seeing these things offered um, as legitimate uh, therapeutic modalities. It's an exciting and beautiful time for, for all of this. And it's tenuous, you know, it's delicate. Yeah. yeah. Well, the reason, and, and, and for everybody that's listening out here, that's listened to 200 plus episodes of me, the reason I'm so damn passionate, well, first of all, I'm open to everything. It's the same way I, I, I adapt food. I'll try anything once. Okay. The second reason I'm so passionate about this is because what y'all don't see is I do a lot of work with people that are recovering addicts, heroin addicts. 
um, deep trauma, family trauma stuff. I've had them on the podcast. I've coached them. We, we run a charity for people who are drug addicts and everything. And these are amazing humans that have families and kids. And they tried for 20 plus years to get sober with the 12 steps, do it the regular way. And they are now living drug-free for multiple years because of these treatments, because of these holistic opportunities. And the amount of impact that they've had for other people within their society has created a ripple effect of affecting a million humans because they didn't have a preconceived notion of how they needed to be treated. Okay. And one of the things that I really get me charged up, the reason I stayed away from the recovery space for so long is because I didn't do the 12 steps program. So I thought I didn't have a leg to stand on. And what I realized is people were seeking out people like me that did it a different way. They're seeking out an alternative way of how you fix your mindset. Who would you, who'd you surround yourself with? And what people don't understand is the only reason why you're scared of it is because you don't know about it. The only reason why you don't know about it is because you're living in a fixed mindset. The opportunity available to you is out there if you're willing to show up for it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a real um, necessity to be ready for these experiences. Um, I would, you know, there was a point in time in my early days with this work where I was quite zealous about how this is the solution to the world's problems and everybody needs to be doing this. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm not saying that you're saying that, Austin, just want to clear that up, but just to really clear it up, like, um, yes, there are fears and, um, and that's okay. And they exist for good reasons. And, um, and when you're ready, then the invitation is there. <laughs> yeah. You know, to have, you know, <laughs> have well, that opportunity. What's interesting is there's no chance. And I want to make this very clear. There's no chance that you and I are saying that you have to go, dude, I'm not telling you you have to do fucking anything. I don't give a shit. Dude, your medicine, your medicine could be meditation. Your medica, your medicine could be the gym. I don't care. But all I'm asking you to do is just because I was once an alcoholic doesn't mean that I have to show up as that guy every time. And I think too many times we cast stones on things that we're scared of on other people instead of being open to allowing them to heal themselves whichever way is necessary, because all we need to be seeking is true healing. That's it. And I don't care if it's miracle morning. I don't care if it's mushrooms. I don't care if it's weed. I don't care if it's gym. You know what? Here's the deal. I'll do you one better. Do you know how many ex drug addicts are ultra runners? Like, so are we supposed to bastardize them because they love running? No, they just traded out a bad addiction for a good one. Like, what do you, what do you want? Right. But we, we cast our value systems on so many other people when the person that we need to be looking back with and make peace with is the person standing in the damn mirror. Um, At the risk of being somewhat contentious in that 
in those last remarks, just to maybe invite another sort of perspective, sure. I guess. I love Not it. even another, just that, you know, an addiction is an addiction. And, um, and there are most definitely, you know, addictive ways of relating to marathon running or, or sure. anything, anything. And, uh, um, and then, you know, I am by no means free from addiction myself, you know, there's, I could call myself an addict. Absolutely. You know, it's the degree of it to, to which it causes harm to me and others is, is flavors of addiction, but, um, um, coming into who we are, that permission thing, you know, allowing, not having to prove anything to anybody and just resting into your essence, um, which is a process of surrender and having to let go. And like, what am I holding on to? Why do I, you know, why does my behavior unfold in this way? What's the origin of this? Like self, really deep self-inquiry um, is... Uh, oh. This is a bad guy, headcracker. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, bud. Well, that's fascinating. Would you be willing to take a stand stairs and show mom of that? Do you want to come say hello to everybody? Yeah, come say hello. Hey, hey Lindsay. <laughs> guys, this is <laughs> this is guys, this is real life. This is pot dude, Chris, true story. True story. Back in the day, one of the first ones, my friend Annie was uh breast breastfeeding her baby on the podcast. So we we've covered the gamut, you know. Hey, it's life, baby. Yeah. It's totally life is, you know what? I love, I love what you said there because I think, I think on the backside of that conversation is just having what I try to tell everybody, every one of my coaching clients, everyone I, I come in contact with, we got to have some grace with ourselves. Like the internal, <laughs> the, the, the internal pressure and the struggle that you're feeling, we want to, we want to, we want to proclaim that it's everybody around us when really at the end of the day, life is a choice. And so you can choose to be a little more gentle with yourself. I think if we were all a little more gentle with ourselves, I think the world would be a, a, a whole better place. Oh man. Yeah. 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 Because, because it's, it's the view of how we seek our behavior in a, an entire moment that placates us and, and beats us up for the next two years. Look, hey guys, sometimes I have uh, a temper. Sometimes I don't show up as the best version of myself. But every day, on every week, I'm working on getting rid of the things that don't serve me and then double down on the things that do. And that's it. That's it. Either a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Simplicity. Totally. Yeah. You know what's Make it as simple. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is you study this behavioral. I love to study behavioral investing, like, like why people do what they do. And it all comes back to a rooted problem. You think you're special. You think that you're special or you're, or what you're selling is special. When, if you're highlighted, if you, if you, Chris are highlighted as the product, you don't have a business, you have a job. If your product mm -hmm. and your and your product and your system, the simplicity of the product and the system is the business, then you have a business. 
right? And so if that's the case, well, then what do you hang your hat on, right? Like what, like, what do you hang your hat on? Will you hang your hat on? Like what's interesting, right? When I got sober and, and even today, like the, the true essence of what everybody needs to be, well, everybody doesn't need to do anything. You can do whatever you want. But what I'm saying is what I found is effective for moi is that how I affect the most change is being the best version of myself. Yep. Yeah, my brother. Mm-hmm. Every moment. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that bit about like the product and how that fits into my orientation. And I had this just beautiful smile arise within myself when I was realizing that like I don't have a the product isn't fixed. The product is to like, it's, well, it's a service, actually. It's a, it's a service and that uh, um, produces empowerment, sovereignty and connection and, um, and, uh, and the ability to see, yeah, like, we're all in this together on the same plane walking, you know, walking each other home has rubbed us so beautifully put it. And it's just, I am so grateful to be in service to that. Um, um, because the key word there is the difference between service and duty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's an immense gift in it. You know, as I'm in service to others, you know, when I'm working with people, there's like, I'm being taught. I'm getting learning. Yes. I get to, you know, like yes. the people who show up are exactly right for what, you know, I need to be tuning into for my own process of awakening. And so that's, in that sense, we do this together. Like there's nothing, you know, it keeps me humble to be curious around, you know, what this person's going to teach me as far as like, how can I reflect elements of higher self to them and how are they bringing that forth to me in order to just like, how are we unfolding together? And, um, you know, our, 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 our good, our, you know, our personal friend, you know, how we met you in the first place, he told me that there's no stress. And I've told you this, there's no stress in your coaching business because all you do is coach what you've been through. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to see clients, they'll find you. And what's yeah. crazy, right? Because I spent 20 years as a victim, right? A problem to them that seems insurmountable. I go, yeah, I can fix that in one minute. And they're like, how? And I'm like, because I've lived it for 20 years. It's cool. We're good. And what's crazy is I make all my coaching clients take a personality test. Oh, just so happens we all have the exact same personality. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And so if that's the case, right, they say, they say, Austin, and they'll say, they said it to you. They said it to you with your coaching, with your people you're helping, man, you're really doing something special here. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm literally clearing up as we call it the bug, the buggy windshield with the dirt and the bug and the stories and the BS you're telling yourself. And all I do is take a little Windex 
I clean it off. I clear up the windshield. I move the mountain out of the way. And you get to see who you always were born to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And whatever that, you know, specialness is that um, the other experiences in me is I like to kind of just, well, firstly, receive it in gratitude, you know, hey, thanks. Thanks for the way you experience me. And hey, could it be that that's a reflection of the beautiful essence that's flowering within you? And like, Well done. You know, awesome. Love it. Aren't we beautiful? Yeah. <laughs> well, what's interesting, right, is what what people don't understand is when you shift your energy with inside of you, like let's just say you shift your mindset or you're working out or you're feeling better. Let's just use that as a context. Wow. Like opportunities start showing up. People that may be interested in you, you didn't know are interested in you. And what's basically happening is your internal temperature and mechanism has shifted to a higher being, like a higher quality of energy. And you're attracting those people through that. And when you're, when you're, when you're in a situation where all like spiraling bad things keep happening, it's because your energy and your, and your, and your mojo, right. Your mojo inside of you is all screwed up. And what I find to be the most interesting thing in the world, especially in the, when I was an alcoholic is the spiraling, man, that was the, that was the death of me. Because it would be like a combination of like five different things. And you're like, dude, I just can't win. And then that, and then, and then your mindset just goes in the toilet. And so what I do now is if I'm ever in a bad spot or there's two things that are happening, if I'm bad in spot, I'm thinking about what I deserve. I'm thinking about what I'm owed or I'm not being creative. And what I do is who can I serve today to help? And once I do that and I help somebody, then I help myself. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the idea of, of being screwed up is, uh, you know, we're all kind of screwed up in our own sort of unique ways. And there's, there's a, uh, Reframing that is useful. And, and, you know, there's good reasons for why those behaviors existed there in the first place. You know, there was, there was stuff often a lot of group times, probably the majority of the time, we have these early life imprints and traumas could be a birth trauma as simple as that, or it could be every flavor of all the um, ways that trauma is, is experienced. And, um, and so we, you know, we have these adaptive mechanisms that come up at the time of that incident to, you know, shield us and protect us and um, and and for our survival. But then, you know, when they aren't dissipated, when they aren't healed or processed and released, and they yeah, they influence our behavior over the course of a lifetime. It appears pretty screwed up, but those were actually mechanisms that were really useful and served a purpose for us. The time. And, uh, as odd as it can be sometimes when we get to the origin of that you know our traumas in some respects are our greatest gifts and we discover you know what it means to be the wounded healer and that you know we can transform and alchemize that that incident of, of separation into our tool for facilitating unity and um and uh, yeah so, 
kind of an art form, I guess you could say. Well, what's, it, what's interesting is something you said earlier as we wrap up this convo, uh, something you said interesting, and, and I, I related to two things. The, the stranglehold that we have on, let's say, brush fires in general has actually created more brush fires. So we in Western society, especially in America, have a tendency to squeeze out and overuse things to let the natural order of stuff happen. And it's the same thing that we do personally is we don't allow ourselves anymore to feel one second of pain. Like we take a pill or do a distraction or everything. And what you're doing is you're stopping the natural order of how things are supposed to happen. Like the, the definition of a fever is to regulate your body, right? Is to fix your body. Well, if you don't allow that to happen, what do they always say? Well, I broke my fever. I'm better now. Well, there you go. And you know what they say? The number one way to fix your stomach? I don't know. Don't eat. Like, like that's the number one way. I've, I've read reports where they fix type 2 diabetes by prolonged fasting 21 days. The absence of food actually allows your body to do what it needs to, to fix itself. But we don't do that anymore. We medicate ourselves with distractions, TV, alcohol, you know, all these things. And so by, by we, we don't allow anymore the, the longingness, right? Everything needs to be now, now, now. So when you're having that bad time or when you're going through something, I ask you, you know, as we, you know, sit with it. Like ask yourself, are the same patterns coming up again? Ask yourself, have you seen this before? Because I'm guaranteeing you, here's the thing about life I do understand from a great mentor of mine. The thing in life is the, license, the lessons get louder, hurt more, and cost more money. Yeah. Yeah, there's big, big teachings in our, in our suffering. Uh, yeah, the only way out of it through it and yeah to really feel it for sure yeah and you know i think let's uh let's uh hold high hopes and, and say that you know we're learning and uh, humanity is learning and uh i believe in I believe in capacity of people to rise up to rise and shine it's the name of my business um, and, uh, yeah, collectively, I, I do feel as dire as things may appear, um, that, that uh, all, is, all is well. Everything is unfolding precisely as it should. And, uh, we're learning. We're growing. There's somehow there was a trauma that has impacted humanity collectively, and, and uh, it plays out also in a sort of microcosmic way through the little traumas well, I want to say a little through the traumas, let's just say, that happen in our own lives. It's all just reflective. And um, yeah, we're getting there. Dude, I want to, uh, <laughs> dude, you're, you're a killer entrepreneur because you just sneakily worked in that business name right in the back end of that talk. I mean, dude, that is like, you can't teach that. That's class, baby. <laughs> so, Chris, if people want to find out, I know you're you're playing the social media game from time to time. We're, we're getting there, but you got mm -hmm. you live in a beautiful spot. You're in Costa Rica now, going back to Canada, and going to be traveling everywhere. If people want to find out about you. How would they do that? Oh, good lord! You know what? I'm going to have to maybe ask you to slap that into the show notes. Um, you can get me at chris.rodman at gmail.com. That's an easy way. Um, 
my website is risingshine-now.com. And I don't know that that'll be the final iteration of it. So I'm hesitant to even say it. But anyways, um, Rise and Shine is is the business, you know, Adventures and Awakening. Uh, we've got a motorcycle tours slash plant medicine and just, you know, every flavor of, of um, retreat uh, unfolding and available and you know, individual therapy and coaching and um, just, you know, consulting around some of these topics. Yeah. Hit me at chris.robin at gmail.com for now. Um, on our next podcast i'll have a way more solid answer no you're good you, you did great you're good you're good i did they they had to give me a website with my name so i could remember it so you're good guys you know what we're doing here for anybody that's listening is we're trying to give you all the information available that's why me and chris can have this open communication this long flowing talk about just becoming the best version of yourself and, and giving yourself grace in the journey and, and creating that growth mindset. And you never know which way this road's going to take you. But when you show up there, make sure you show up as the best version of yourself in the, in the world uh, will be a better place. So if you like this episode, make sure you send it out to your friends and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.